Welcome to the Mac DevOps YVR podcast. This podcast is about the Mac DevOps YVR conference in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. We interview guests and discuss topics around managing Macs using open source software products inspired by DevOps. Our goal is to encourage developers and IT to work together to solve problems for our community. For more information, see our website, mdoyvr.com. This is the Mac DevOps podcast. Thanks to everyone for submitting talk ideas uh, with our call for speakers. Uh, we got lots of great submissions. Um, if you still have an idea in your head, get it out of your head now and send it to us with our call for speakers form um, and contact us and let us know. Uh, always accepting uh, quick talks. And we'd love to hear everyone who hasn't spoken before uh, come and share some ideas, problems they've solved, and tell us a story about how you survived the pandemic, because you're, you're still here right now. So share some ideas with us. Uh, we'll be announcing the uh, talks that are accepted soon on our website. And uh, yeah, thanks to everybody uh, for uh, thinking about us. And uh, we look forward to seeing everybody on Discord, hopefully on the server before the conference starts. Yeah, we'll be looking to launch that here uh, pretty soon to, to those that have already registered. Yeah, I I, uh, I think I think we're all uh, craving uh, some human uh, contact, seeing some faces, and uh, I think uh, getting people on the Discord server early before the conference, we can start doing some hangouts or meetups. Uh, we can do some workshops to help people practice some of their talks if they want to practice. Um, yeah, exchange of ideas. Um, sort of open coffee time, coffee hours to discuss, you know, projects people are working on. Um, I think it could be super fun. We've learned a few things about the Discord in the last year, and uh, we've uh, added some features that uh, we'll be slowly uh, turning on and, and allowing you access to uh, as you join. So hopefully some things to make uh, being part of the community uh, a little bit more fun and entertaining and robots. Bots. Bots will run our lives. <laughs> it's a scary vision of the future, JD, but I look forward to seeing what you've done and how you've tamed the bots for this uh, this this go around and definitely um, helping people get into the conference channels will be a lot easier when we give people the right invites this time. So they should be able to get their roles assigned to them automatically as opposed to being greeted by Matt at the door and going, who are you? What's your name? Do you have a ticket? <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah. so hopefully, hopefully that that whole thing will be a little bit easier. So uh, we're always, uh, you know, building and expanding and, and learning new things. So uh, yeah. that that'll be good. And and I learned that I should start backing up the Discord server after another Discord that I was on uh, this last week got uh, hacked and had half its channels deleted, including all of its content. Wow, that was. Uh, not so, not so fun. Yeah, well, good to um, learn Backups. that before it happened to our server. <laughs> yeah, who would have thought you need to back up a Discord server? I'm learning right. all the time. T I L thing I learned. Wow, yeah, back up to Discord. And awesome. it, you know, it's, it 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 has me thinking about all the different channels and things that we use, whether it's you know Slack or Discord or or whatnot. Is you know these software as a service type organizations. What are you doing to back that up? And and are they providing a backup strategy? Uh, when we reached out to Discord, the the backup strategy is there is no backup strategy. Sorry. Very <laughs> good. Permissions are a, are a good thing to control. So. 
Well, there, there's that old joke about uh, there's two kinds of people in the world, people that have lost data and people that will lose data. So, right. you know, <laughs> um, I know last year we, uh, when we engaged, when we made the critical decision to not do everything ourselves for the live production and engage Felipe, a good friend of mine, uh, uh, also a very experienced live producer and editor um, to help us run our conference. I mean, we did so much practicing to make it go last year i mean it was a lot of work but we practiced a lot and had a lot of speakers we tried a bunch of different tech as well and and even though we did practice a lot it was a miracle <laughs> that we pulled it off as well as we did and this year uh i know felipe added another line item to the bill it's like okay we got to pay this extra person as a backup i'm like what pay more money but yeah it's like what if felipe disappears or his internet disappears so we're gonna have a backup live production set right. up and a live production backup person ready to go and an extra even backup comms so we have a communications channel that's independent so i mean last year we had zoom teams uh, discord memo live this year we're gonna have uh you know a bunch of everything and so many different uh, comms channels and different things as backups and uh and the, i think the practice and the testing is going to even be uh, more involved this year but i look forward to it <laughs> Yeah, but not not to scare off uh, potential speakers. It, uh, our our goal is to not make the burden too bad on you, oh, no. uh, and to make make it as easy as possible. But also, if if like things go sideways or you lose an internet connection or uh, any number of things maybe happens, you can get hold of us and say, "I can't hear you," or "We can't hear you," or whatever the case may be. So. Because it's inevitable, right? You know, we've we've been through this in the last year of being on that that call, and like you're muted, but you've you know expounded upon amazing verbosity, and and uh, yet uh, you were muted the entire time. Nobody heard your sweet whisperings. <laughs> well, I mean, when we were doing the conference live, once or once in a while, there was the. Uh, there's the the terror of oh my goodness i don't know where the speaker is i don't know where the next speaker is they're <laughs> right. not even here you know um but i mean we did do it live last year but we did pretty much everybody i think had a backup recording just in case so you know we wanted to do it live to make it just to get that feel of uh seat of your pants <laughs> but uh, we, we did have backup recordings too just in case for most people so we could roll something <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, backing up Discord. Yeah, if Discord goes, well, we have Zoom as well. So uh, thoughts, thoughts and plans, not thoughts and prayers, man. Thoughts and plans, yeah. or tots and pears. Tots and pears. Yes. Gee whiz. <laughs> They're tasty, and not together. <laughs> I uh, dro- dropped into uh, the Mac Admins Monthly run by Ed. Uh, shout out to Ed Marzak. Uh, he does a great job for 10 years of running the Mac Admin Monthly. And uh, our good friend Eric was on there uh, talking about his new role at Kanji. And, uh, you know, he's been in through a lot, uh, publishing tons of books and being at every single conference in the last, you know, billion years. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, shout out to all the people running like uh, these meetups like Ed. Uh, I know the Cascadia channel, I keep seeing people from all around the world dro- drop in, you know, like Tom Bridge is not in Cascadia there or Marcus from Australia or, you know, even in the, the different city channels on the Mackinson Slack, I see people dropping in from everywhere, you know, like I saw Armin Briegel from the Netherlands or uh, dropping into the Toronto channel, you know, it's like we have all these different little groups and little places that people hang out and it's really nice that the community uh, has these little groups to hang out, and I hope that people will join us for Mac DevOps um, as another place to hang out and share ideas and uh, to build on our awesome community. So thanks to everybody. 
for thinking about us with your thoughts and pears, thoughts and tots, tots, tots and pears, tots you know, like tater fried, tots, fried potatoes. Fried. Oh, okay, yes. okay, okay. Yeah, no, it 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 really has uh, been uh, inspiring to see uh, how many people have have kind of come together and join some of these monthly meetups that are that are now virtual. Um, whether it's the Cascadia channel or, or any of the others uh, that are out there. I know like uh, I, I dropped in on the Mac DMV uh, a while back uh, and that was nice to, to kind of lurk and see what was going on there uh, for those in the, the DC area. Yeah. I mean, Seattle, the Cascadia group, I mean, I meant, I, I think I went to one, one or two in person, but it's, it's like a two and a half hour drive and across a, an international border, you know, and the traffic when you get close right. to Seattle is such a, such a mess that you reconsider every bad decision in your life when you're stuck in that traffic. So, um, you know, this, uh, virtual remote hangouts and meetups are just, you know, they're, they're a, they're a real blessing <laughs> to, to be able to just to dial in and go, oh, I'm, I'm going to make dinner for my kids, but I can stop by for half an hour and say hi. And just it's, it's yeah, just, it, it'll be interesting. And, and maybe somebody will put a, a quick talk of, together about how we can keep incorporating uh, that type of idea into uh, in-person meetings when those happen again uh, to uh, to allow people to still dial in and, and participate uh, from afar. Yeah, we, we had considered the possibility of potentially making this year's uh, hybrid, you know, before pandemic version 2.0 was better than pandemic <laughs> version one. But, uh, uh, you know, like the idea of having a hybrid is is fascinating and, and fraught with peril and difficulty. How do you how do you make it an equal footing for remote and in person? You know, it's easier when everyone's remote or everyone's in person. So, um, yeah, yeah, there's lots, lots of ideas, you know, whether it's just a really crazy slack channel or whether it's uh you know something else immersive video experience i don't know you know um everybody in the same room staring at their laptop on the zoom call with headphones mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm, I, yeah i don't know i don't know what that looks like what does that look like somebody's d doing this or planning to do this so i'd be interested in that that talk <laughs> that discussion yeah we need some deep thoughts from the deep state <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the deep state, uh, uh, Felipe, uh, our live producer, editor extraordinaire, uh, gave a talk at post-production world, um, with, uh, the editor. Um, I'm going to get his name wrong, so I don't want to, uh, to take a stab at it, but the, he was a sort of a workflow architect, uh, and, uh, assistant editor and super, super dude on, uh, the Q conspiracy documentary. He helped, mm -hmm. uh, organize the whole the whole setup for HBO um, on like, they took them three years to do that whole documentary, but uh, thanks to Felipe and post lab and a few other things, just getting the whole um, architecture of that just uh, yeah, it's a massive undertaking of how to coordinate like tons and tons of different editors and assistant editors all over the world <laughs> working on it. But they actually uh, made it work to their benefit, which, you know, Felipe is in Europe. And um, if the main editors are in the US, it's different time zones. So basically, Felipe was getting all the projects ready. And then the editors were waking up in the States and the projects were ready to go. And then he would, you know, they, so basically, they were working kind of like a 24 hour, you know, schedule, you know, oh, wow. taking advantage of all the different, um, uh, you know, time zones to while someone's asleep, and someone else is working, getting stuff prepared and ready. And uh, it was really interesting. And I think, um, there's a really good word for it that I can't think of, but I've heard the same for like, you know, help desk and support trying to get like a uh, time zones uh, set up. Is that your phone 
<laughs> is my phone. How annoying <laughs> is that? It's funny because I, uh, yeah, I, I tried to, um, to put do not disturb on earlier. Well, I, uh, and, and I, I, and with Big Sur, I'm still kind of new to it as a user. I'm just like, did I do it? And then all of a sudden, nope, got a call, you know? <laughs> yeah. Big Sur's, uh, audio handling has been, uh, kind of a struggle so and like hand off to airpods uh well i'm getting phone calls on my mac i don't want them there i've already got my phone muted i don't want them on my mac and and i guess i tried desperately to do the super quick uh click option on do not on the control center and get do not disturb on but either i did it wrong or it doesn't work in vixer anymore so um yeah so yeah getting phone calls that's somebody loves me somebody wants to talk to me jd well, at least there's somebody out there for you. Yeah, scammer I, and... I tried to answer a uh, a phone call via the Mac because I couldn't couldn't get to my phone quickly, and and it decided to not connect the audio at all. So it's uh, a deadline. Can... <laughs> I've had that with my watch. Sometimes I'll be like, rarely want to take a call on my watch, but if I'm far away from my phone, if it's plugged in or something, I'll, I'll take it, and I'm like, okay, now I can't hear anything or. Yeah. You know, it's... Well, you know, this is this is new technology for for Apple, and and they're just trying to find their way. So, well, I mean, there's nothing more reliable than a toaster, where it has one button or a lever, and you pushed it down, and then it starts, you know, warming up your toast. And I think holding all other technology to that uh, standard is just, uh, you know, you're just going to let yourself down. It's just a big letdown when you think that everything else works seventy, eighty percent. I mean, like the. Uh, the AirPods and the audio handoff in Big Sur has worked pretty good, except for when it doesn't. And then you're like confused, like, like where am I? Where are my AirPods connected? You know? right. it's like, I don't know. Or, but yeah, when it does I work, had, it's great. I've, I've had instances where my phone like chimed or something, and all of a sudden I'm disconnected from the computer, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go back to wired headphones. They're just they're consistent. They're that toaster model. Analog baby, analog. <laughs> Um, yeah, so um, we got a bunch of talks uh, submitted. Great, we'll publish that soon in the draft of a schedule. Um, we had the fundraiser for uh, Mac DevOps with t-shirts and hoodies. Um, thank you so much to everybody who uh, bought a t-shirt or a hoodie. You're helping to wear awesome clothes and support us at the same time, so it's a win-win. That's a great design this year. Yeah, I really like that. It's basically like, uh, you know, pandemic 2.0. It's uh, everything's on fire. So um, <laughs> the shirt's on fire. Hopefully not the states and and uh, and uh, provinces this year. No fires. No, no, no. Yeah. We don't want any forest fires. No, no, no. Just just metaphorically, our lives are burning. You know, it's just like, <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, slowly uh, getting creeping towards June. And we're looking forward to running an awesome, fun conference for everybody. You had mentioned uh, Charity Majors uh, and her uh, continuous rant about CI/CD high-performance teams and why software should auto-deploy within 15 minutes or bust. Uh, and it and uh, and uh, I poked through that and and had thoughts as a uh, as a single one-man army slash consultant slash team. You know, how, how might someone like that be able to, to try and approach this model and, uh, do that with some of the scripting and, and tool, uh, deployments and, and things like that, that, that we're doing on a regular basis. 
Yeah, there's thoughts. There's thoughts. I mean, when you're a one-person consultant or one-person sysadmin or one-person IT team, it uh, also makes me think of the, I heard it again today where someone was like, oh yeah, they have Jamf here, but there's no way to check in, check out your code. There's no way to get a sanity check. There's no way to get a peer review. You know, you're just in Jamf. You're the sysadmin. You're just like making extension attributes like an animal and, (laughs) you know, and then, you know, just deploy to the fleet now, you know, it's like, you just you just put on the safety glove and push the button, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what's different. I mean, I just put everything in a monkey and everything's in testing and everybody is in production and production is testing. So, I mean, it Test could be the production. same. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, we all would like a sort of safety catch, you know, sanity check feature where uh, it can be reviewed, not as an impediment to push things to production, but as in, as in a, just a double check and this is what I'm doing, you know? Um, could all benefit from that sometimes. Yeah, I think the other uh, thing I gleaned from that is to to break it off into smaller chunks uh, and handle it. You know, a lot of times we approach a lot of this as I need to deploy all of the software or all of this tool set, and instead of breaking it up into smaller things and and say I'm gonna I'm gonna deploy just this app or I'm just going to put these settings in place. Uh, and get that profile in place in the MDM uh, versus trying to uh, to bite off the entire thing, you know, uh, eat, eat the whale one bite at a time, so to speak. Well, yeah, I mean, ASR, Apple Software Restore, and, you know, restoring uh, imaging machines bite for bite, you know, block copies, it had its appeal and it was quick. But once right. you got away from the monolithic, you know, instant image, you know, ASR sort of way of going about it, and you went and, and once I switched to monkey kind of thing and just said, okay, well, I'm bootstrapping the machine somehow uh, from recovery or from a web server with installer or using MDS or, or maybe even with, uh, you know, MDM. And, you know, then once you get monkey on there, you, that's when you decide you, to, to live your life and just relax and just go monkey. And a few of my tools are just going to handle the rest. I don't need to like put 10,000 gigs on here and I'm just going to like, you know, install the crucial important tools and then let the rest of the blocks fall into place as we need them in pieces so that they can be changed, rolled back, versioned, you know. Like I go into places that image machines and then they never change the version or never updated anything. I'm like, that's yeah. a bit extreme. That's a bit extreme. Like <laughs> I've heard about security issues. Like Well, and you know, to a certain I think we're lucky uh that we have tools like Auto Package um that you know, we can spot check to make sure they're doing the right things. Uh, and in combination with a tool like Monkey, you know, it's very easy to roll back something if, if for some reason, you know, a, a deployment goes sideways or or the, the latest and greatest version just yeah. isn't actually the latest and greatest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could be easier in Monkey, but it's really not hard at all. You just go, yeah, version 45 is not what we're using anymore. Version 40, 43 and boom, it's like, uh, okay, yep done you know it's um it's uh yeah it's a it's a way to, a good way to live <laughs> i'm quite you quite used to it now you know and um yeah versioning up and uh, you know make a new version of a monkey report uh you know plug in or client you know installer and then put it in there and then um oh <laughs> i always talk about the same things but i've been playing with tail scale the wire guard uh easy setup 
and I've been using it with a monkey report. And so I've been, I was pretty happy about myself for <laughs> inventing the most uh, crazy, useless uh, example of tail scale ever. But uh, yeah, instead of using like a, a totally sensible approach, like something like Alex Narvi would, would recommend where you have properly, you know, uh, signed certs, uh, public certs and publicly reachable internet servers. I I have like a tail scale network with all my <laughs> servers and they're just reporting in via the encrypted monkey uh, monkey report tail scale network, you know, which is only <laughs> talking to, to members on that mesh VPN. So I think I finally distorted everything and made the most best uh, Rube Goldberg machine setup ever. So um, <laughs> your house quite... of cards monkey deployment. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> There's, yeah. there's no weak link in the system when the entire system is a weak link. Exactly. <laughs> you understand. Um, <laughs> but I mean, no, to be honest, I was installing TailScale as a really easy way to get in with uh, with remote access. I was finding everything else that I was using, you know, all the brand name remote control tools were just failing one day or another day. And, and I was just like, I need something that's consistently going to work. And so installing and configuring TailScale on all these servers I needed access to allowed me to easily remote in from my phone or my laptop or from anywhere. And and then I was like, oh, well, they're actually all connected to this mesh VPN. What if I just have my clients also reporting their monkey report that way too? And they're not going out through the public internet. And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't recommend it for a normal monkey monkey report setup. But if you have a, a bunch of servers and clients that you're just like having a private sort of setup, but you need access to, then WireGuard and TailScale uh, certainly makes that interesting and why not report that way? So yeah, sure. I thought, yeah. For a small, small group of devices, it makes sense <laughs> for a large group. Maybe not so much. <laughs> maybe not so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Uh, the other day, uh, shellfish, which is a great little iOS app for, uh, for shell access from, from an iOS device, uh, saved my bacon, uh, to, to remote in, uh, because I had all my uh, certificates uh, here on the phone and I could get right into the server uh, and uh, restart a couple of services that had magically stopped and uh, was on my way. And it took me not, not, but maybe two minutes of tapping away on my phone it was huge relief. So making sure you have multiple ways to get into systems is always a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I, between Files app, I was able to access like a remote, you know, file server with TailScale on my phone, you know, Files app, or I used VLC as well to like get some of the video files that were on that server. And um, so it's it's really, really nice when you can, you know, shell in or uh, remote in with another protocol. Um, um, also, I've been, I finally figured out how to get uh, TailScale on my Synology NAS units too. And I was quite happy with that because I've been tired of, configuring the firewall and opening ports on the router. And even though the firewall rules are pretty good and geo-blocked and, you know, I've, I've only, I've really restricted down the number of, you know, things that are able to knock on the door kind of, so to speak. But with TailScale, I can turn off all the open ports on the routers and, and just basically they talk to each other on the private network and yeah. Blog nice. Post coming Interesting. Up. Yeah, no, uh, it's basically like having site site VPNs. I mean, that's right. Pretty right. much what it, it means reinventing that with a centrally controlled sort of key server slash, you know, central referee. But it, Jeez, feels, Matt, like, it feels like you should give a talk about this at, uh, <laughs> at uh, Mac DevOps. <laughs> I, I just might. I'm working on a blog post, uh, useless, <laughs> useless things that I've been doing in pandemic times, you know, making things harder and easier at the same time with, with SAS, sassy, nice. sassy, sassy VPN. 
you too could do a quick talk and probably much better than I can. <laughs> yeah, I've been looking at other uh, backup solutions as well. And, and uh, one that surfaced again for me was uh, Duplicati, which is a free backup uh, software sys- system that ties into uh, really anything you want, FTP, SSH, WebDAV, uh, OneDrive, S3, Buckets, uh, Google Google Drive, etc. Um, so uh, nice. uh, it's really interesting, and they've got clients for just about everything, I mean, Synology, Mac, Windows, Linux, uh, and allows you to, to back up to uh, your your cloud buckets. Nice. I've been spending a lot more time with Arclone to do the same thing because I my favorite backup app, uh, backup archive sync app, Arcoware P5, didn't support Dropbox. And I had one client that just said, we have to use Dropbox. It's the only thing we're using. I'm like, okay, I'm paid to help people. <laughs> so what do I do? I'm like, uh. and then thanks to the recommendation from someone, uh, yeah, they're like Arclone. I'm like, oh, right, yeah, Arclone. I remember that sort of, but never used it. But found it, could talk to Dropbox, and it's worked pretty darn good. Nice. Um, nice. I was pretty, very happy. It was just like, uh, yeah, you're always <laughs> learning something new. You're like, oh, here's a new tool or a new old tool that, you know, and um, yeah, Duplicati. And then someone else mentioned Borg Backup, um, which. Oh, yeah. Um, it's another potential talk at our conference. So <laughs> maybe we should have the backup stream. Like, how are we backing up with every <laughs> single app? <laughs> uh, yeah. And really, it's not the backup that's important. It's the restore. So. Damn. Make sure you, you know how to get the data back off of there. Yes, yes. Restores test. Are, test, test, are, test. Are all the rage. <laughs> it's where the day's at. <laughs> Somebody I thought had a really, a really funny uh, comment on homebrew for Mac, uh, which I thought could apply to the Mac Immens in, in our way as well, because they were uh, their comment was, homebrew on Mac, a collection of tools designed to install as many copies of Python on one computer as possible. So <laughs> while I do not use homebrew, and I don't really recommend it to anybody except for the people that really love it, I guess, whatever. Um, it, apparently, it, I guess, <laughs> so many copies of Python get installed with every single thing they do. And But it did remind me uh, that, you know, with the Mac Immens, if you're, you know, installing Python with Monkey, or if you know, installing Python with Monkey Report, or installing a version of Python with every single tool, you're getting close to that. That is kind of the new model. Is we don't trust Apple, so install your own uh, Python. And uh, I mean, the, the Mac Ops people at Google were doing that for a while. You know, I mean, it just makes sense. Like our tool runs on this Python. We're going to ship this Python with our tool. I mean, <laughs> you know, and I think thanks to uh, the portable. Uh, relocatable Python projects. Uh, it's made it easier to include Python of your choice uh, with your project to ensure that your tools run. Yeah, it makes sense. Look how far we've come. It's 2021 and we're just smart. And we're back to rolling our own. <laughs> rolling our own <laughs> Python, yeah. Somebody uh, from uh, Tailscale who I follow on Twitter was posting about why they were trying to do something in the command line and, and Xcode was complaining about like needing seven hours to download a new version of Xcode again or something. So it seems like developers have a lot of trouble with Xcode and Xcode is, is a beast um, in terms of wanting to be downloaded all the time or I guess getting updates all the time. So uh, a pain point for developers, I think, or anybody who needs to use some Xcode uh, tools on the command line. Yeah, that's always fun. Uh, you run your updates and then you basically have to reinstall your tool set because somebody's not testing. Interesting development from AWS as well. 
they released Open Search, which is an old name for a new project. I guess they've had this name for a while for an open source sort of search project, but they've forked Elasticsearch and Kibana and are now offering a forked free version of this, which is interesting. It seems like Elastic, uh, as an open source sort of paid company, I guess they've made money by licensing and maybe support. But I guess they changed their licensing in a few months, last few months, and they've made everybody who's using Elasticsearch and Cabana sort of really question what they're going to do and with the change in licensing terms. And uh, in retrospect, it seems obvious that someone was just going to fork it. But um, yay, Amazon? Question mark. <laughs> As the empire grows. Yes. 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 Uh, <laughs> Yeah, AWS uh, and Amazon, the retail company, uh, I think as Tim Bray, who used to be at Sun, then Google, and then Amazon, and then he quit, said, I think they should be split off, both of those. Um, Yeah, those are two huge things in one company. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and and, I mean, there's other categories there of uh, in competition with them, but you know, once you're embedded in such a platform, it's really hard to to move away. It's not like you can just pick up the tent stakes and and move to Google. No, I see occasionally people talking about like being like cloud independent, but it seems to be very very um, what's the derided. Nobody <laughs> seems to think that there's a actually good way of doing that, even if you had infinite money pots. And um, everybody that's all in on Amazon and if they have the money are in redundant regions, but that costs a lot. But it seems like some people are just content with if Amazon goes down, then they're down and that's everyone else is down. I'm like, well, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's there's different levels of being down even on the in the on prem world. It's like, are we down, but we'll be back up soon or are we down and it's over. The, <laughs> the game is done, like the servers are fried or um different levels of, of, of failure and failing gracefully. Like do we have to fold the company, you know, is the data all gone? <laughs> um, yeah, I think it, it, it's also less about data loss and, and more about like, if you want to run the open source, the, the MySQL or the Postgres, um, those databases while hosted on a platform like AWS uh, it, don't have the performance of the Amazon flavored version of, of MySQL or the Amazon flavored version of, of Postgres uh, and your data doesn't isn't portable at that point because you're now using mods that, that they've made to it to to improve the, the performance of, of that tool. I'm just using databases as an example here, but but it crosses the spectrum, right? True, true. Um, and just makes me think of Oracle and all their changes to Sun and how Microsoft announced that they're going to be doing an open source or a fork of, of Java as well. Um, just so many right fl- after flavors the... of Java and, <laughs> and, and forked versions. And uh, I mean, so you're, you're referencing the uh, the Supreme Court case here. In no, the, in no, the States, or... no, totally different, separate re- related issue. But Oracle has Java versions and other people seem to have open Java versions and Microsoft just announced they're going to have an open Java version as well that they're going to support and allow people to use. I mean, maybe it's just to run Minecraft. I don't know. Probably other things too. Um, But yeah, the court case is also very interesting where uh, 
I guess they came on side and said uh, re-implementation of APIs by Google's Android is okay and not in in uh, infringing on uh, Oracle Sun's Java copyright, uh, which is a very interesting case for sure. Yeah. So everybody's going to be running their own Java and their own Python and their own Go. Uh, what else? <laughs> <laughs> PHP. PHP, right. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yes. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Let's get a bigger uh, SSD. Yeah. Well, the, the last thing I was going to touch on is uh, uh, Jacob Kaplan-Moss's uh, post uh, from a couple weeks ago uh, at this point about uh, embracing the grind. Uh, you know, it, he basically uh, alludes to the fact that a lot of times we see programming uh, feeling like uh, magic. We, we encant a few things and magic happens. Um, but really the, the magic is being willing to do some of the most mundane things. Uh, and if you're able to, to embrace that grind, uh, that, that you can pull off things that, that seem or appear to be magical, but, but actually just we're putting your nose down and, and getting the work done. I think that was the really secret. interesting. This is a, this is a big secret that maybe nobody knows about, but yeah, things take hard work. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, sure, you know, sometimes there's credit given to artists for having a brilliant idea. And, but artists are people that work hard. People in media production are in the color production because they're working hard. You have to work and you have to build and you have to spend the time. Um, programming is, is is similar, building things, coding things. I mean, you're putting in time and work. And sure, maybe there's some brilliant ideas, definitely some different ways of solving problems. Um, but I saw this it takes as applying, hard work. Yeah, I saw this as applying more than just to programming, but but to to things that we do as Mac admins is deploying software, building that monkey repo, building that auto package recipe. Um, these things take time, and and you know the the rewards are are amazing, but but there's some work behind it, and and it's not really all magic. Don't tell everybody. Shh. Oh, well, don't <laughs> tell our customers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, I was uh, uh, I was having some discussions with uh, Alex Narvi uh, about some of his reporting tools, and he was talking about a, a colleague of ours, Kevin, that we all know, Kevin Ginger, and, and just different consultants and different people have different ways of reporting what they're doing to their clients. Because in the old days, sometimes I would show up on site to visit a client just to shake hands, say hi, and remind them that they're paying me to do things that I would do remotely. And, you know, the, there's, a, I guess, an art, and some of us do it better, and I know I do it terrible, but just sometimes of communicating to your clients what you actually do, what service you provide, what, what you know, how many monkey uh, so pieces of software did monkey install, how many things did monkey report on, how many viruses did you block, or what is your firewall doing, get some metrics, you know, scientists like to measure things, so measuring right. things. Um, and then communicating those things in either attractive or logical ways. Um, I've had some clients recently tell me, uh, you know, we want to know what you're doing. And I'm like, fair enough. Fair enough. You know, right. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's the office space. Well, so to exactly what do you do around here? What do you do around <laughs> here? What exactly would you say you do around here? Not much. Yeah, I'm, I'm heading for management. I'm trying to fail upwards. Um, <laughs> but yeah, f fair enough. You know, what do you do? And, you know, and, um, don't 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 pick fights with those managers. You know, make friends with managers and uh, learn how to communicate. Learn how to report on what you're doing and 
like with DevOps, you know, sometimes measuring where you are and then seeing where you are later and trying to get some metrics. I mean, and deploy every 15 minutes, no matter what you're doing. Definitely. Definitely. (laughs) Just keep checking stuff in the Git. Um, I was debugging a problem with PostLab and because PostLab uses Git in the background, I was able to see it just like has basically Git commits, you know, it's like, so we see who started the project. We can see what they did next. We can see what, you know, there's, there's a breadcrumb trail and some, that's why Git is one good example when you're doing version controls that you can see the steps if you have good, good Git commit messages. And this is helpful for troubleshooting or undoing, yeah. <laughs> whether it's a PostLab Final Cut project or whether it's code. Um, that you've been committing in small pieces so you can go back in time if you need to. And that's that's the secret, kids. Going back in time. No. Going back in time is Building a time machine, that's the secret. It's the, 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 the <laughs> but plot not device. using time machine, because that's not a secret. That's just a hair-pulling mess. The new time machine so. is awesome. Come on, <laughs> JD. Big Sur time machine. You, re, you just destroy your old time machine. You make a new APFS volume, and then now... The, vol- the hard drive has to be completely 100% used for Time Machine as an APFS volume, and uh, it has real nice, beautiful APFS snapshots that you can't send anywhere else. I wish APFS would do more <laughs> stuff like ZFS or BTRFS or ZFS. Like when you're syncing one volume to another, you could just send the snapshot. Oh my goodness. Like doing an rsync. I remember I had some ZFS volumes that set up for, and I did a test. I'm like, oh, how long would it take me to rsync this? Like, weeks later how long would it take to do zfs oh one hour you know it's like oh my god just sending like snapshots like it's so awesome yeah yes. there's a lot of history behind that Z- zfs and zfs and, Z- and, ZFS and, and uh, uh apple just didn't want to pursue the legal they they weren't getting their way legally with it no, that's why we no, ended I up mean, with the apfs there was some big uh, lawsuits uh, that yeah. were impending at the time but yeah i think apfs is slowly moving that way i mean Carbon Copy Cloner and a few other tools. I know Arc Backup can use uh, the APF, APFS snapshots. Uh, this is a special entitlement you have to get from Apple. Um, so I think it's coming. I mean, I'd like to see in the future where, you know, Time Machine or Time Machine like, you know, would be you'd be able to send your APFS snapshots to a remote server destination. That would just make, you know, uh, I think it would make backups better in certain. Yeah, cases. I, I use the uh, Carbon Copy Cloner to. Uh to move a user directory uh, and that used the APFS uh, snapshot to, to do that. And it actually worked pretty well and uh, didn't have to do the whole readopt uh, and, and fix permissions and things like that, or at least it felt a lot faster. And maybe that was just the M1 processor, but uh, setting that up and moving a user uh, user folder uh, seemed a lot easier with that. Nice. So yeah. Yeah. There's some developers uh, p- Putting in the hard work. Putting uh, in the hard work, right? <laughs> shout out to everybody working hard. Um, it's been a tough year for everyone. And yes, we salute you. Yep. And we're working hard on the conference. And uh, we to still put forth those uh, submissions uh, for any quick talks that you might have. And uh, if you're <laughs> interested in sponsoring, uh, you know, please reach out and... Uh, we're we're happy to to explore that with you, and we've got some great sponsors lined up. Yeah, yeah. thank you and, to Max Stadium, and thank you to um, Simple MDM, and thank you to uh, Flow Swiss AG. Um, thank you to everybody that uh, believes in us and supports us. It really helps pay the bills. 
And to those who have already purchased tickets, the more information will be coming soon about accessing the Discord server. And for those who have not, uh, either consider uh, applying to uh, to give a quick talk or uh, or buy your ticket and get into the Discord a little little early and uh, start start uh, building community. You said it, JD. You said it the best. The Mac DevOps YVR conference and podcast is looking for sponsors. Support and encourage developers in IT to work together to solve problems for our community by sponsoring Mac DevOps. If you're interested in sponsoring the Mac DevOps YVR conference and podcast, send an email to hello at mdoyvr.com. Thank you to our awesome Mac DevOps sponsors. This year for Mac DevOps 2021, our platinum sponsor is Mac Stadium. Thank you so much. They are also sponsoring our Hack Night. This year, a new sponsor, our gold sponsor, Swiss Flow AG with their Mac Bare Metal instance. Awesome. Thank you so much. Our silver sponsor is Simple MDM. Thank you, Taylor. You are amazing. We couldn't do this conference without our sponsors. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today for the Mac DevOps podcast. Thank you to our guests and thank you to our co-hosts. Today's episode was edited by JD Strong. Please like and share this podcast on your favorite podcast service. Anyway, so what's the plan for You'll today? You'll be shocked that there is no plan. What? <laughs> <laughs>